0: Hey, friends, welcome back to the Declare podcast. If you are new to Declare, then we are so grateful to tell you that you have stumbled upon one of the greatest communities of women pretty much of all time. And I know that sounds like I'm really bragging and that I could be even giving you some hyperbole, but I promise you, this group of women support each other, they encourage each other, they love each other, they train each other, they share with each other. And, you know, they just promote each other. They are the most wonderful group of women. I'm so excited that you found us, and I look forward to you getting plugged into our community. I am your host for the conference, Ann Watson. And if you're new to Declare, I just want to let you know that our goal is to equip writers and speakers and podcasters to do their very best as they prepare and give their messages about God to the world. So you're in the right place if that's you, and I'm excited for you to be part of our episode today. Before we get started, I just wanna put out there that if you have an idea for this podcast or a topic that you would love for me to cover, let me know, let me hear from you. Shoot me an email at podcast at wearedeclare.com. Thank you so much. Ticket sales for the 2018 Conference Warrior are in full swing and they're going quickly. Go ahead and make your plans to join us this October. If you need to get a babysitter or get the husband to stay with the kiddos or whatever you need to do, go ahead and set aside those couple of days for the conference so that you can come and get all of the equipping and encouragement that you need. Also, we have a bunch of opportunities for sponsorship. So if you are interested in sponsoring the conference or any other part of the Declare ministry, we would love to hear from you. Just send an email to info at wearedeclare.com. In our last episode, I talked with Rachel Gilbert. Rachel is the community director for Declare, so you've probably seen her on our Facebook page. She's also an author, a speaker, and a brand new podcaster too. Our conversation was so rich. We talked about how to master social media if you're shy, how to get over yourself to just do what God has called you to do, and how to get past those pesky derbs. We also chat about some really practical tools for how you can do Facebook Live and actually love it. We even talk about ways to address warfare in our lives. Be sure to check that episode out if you haven't already. Today, we're on episode number 77 with Amy Stockstill. Amy is the founder of Echo, a ministry dedicated to training up the next generation of voices as speakers. She is all about confidence, and today we talk about how she started out and how she gained some confidence herself. We also talk about how no one starts out as Christine Kane, and why you should love feedback and the biggest mistake speakers make. We also talk about how to know if you're truly called to speak for the Lord. She has some powerful insight and some practical tips that you are not going to want to miss. We also talk about our mutual love of Joanna Gaines. So we would just love to have you join that conversation. We have so much fun. I can't wait for you to learn from her. So without further ado, let's get started with our conversation with Amy Stockstill. All right. So I want to move on to the fact that you said that you took on this ministry and were speaking kind of for the first time, and you were terrified. So would you say that you were kind of a timid speaker when you started?
1: I sure was. I had no idea what I was doing. And I had, there was two different things going on at the time. I was running an internship with 120 students. Most of those were girls, I'd say probably 60, 40. And I had to speak to them once a week. So it wasn't just like, oh, I have months to prepare and I can practice and I can just make sure I'm awesome every time. By the time I released whatever word the Lord gave me, I felt like I had to start again for the next week. And I messed up so many times. I would have to start over. I would be in mid-sentence, totally lose my train of thought. And thankfully, it was the mercy of the Lord. Those four girls i felt like they were a practicing ground for me and they were gracious and they were very patient but yes it was a little bit of a
0: struggle bus well i love though that you said that you would have to stop and start over and that you messed up because i think there's this misconception that when you start off as a speaker that you have to be perfect right out of the gate
1: yes and that is actually i feel like is what sets back most women who have the gift and call and desire to speak is that they think that their starting point has to be as good as Chris Kane, which who's going to be as good as her anyway. But also she's been preaching, I don't know, two or three decades. So there's no possible way to be as amazing as she is with the 30 years of experience under her belt.
0: Well, yeah, I heard her say once that if you want to be like her, because she has a ton of people that come up and they say, I want to do what you do. Then she says, okay, well, do you want my story of being Abandoned by my biological parents. And, wow. you know, and she kind of goes on about all of the things that she has suffered through in her life because she said that you don't just wake up and become an amazing speaker. You got to work through some stuff and have a message.
1: Yes, absolutely. The Lord's got to birth a story and a message, and more importantly, an anointing. And then you have to do the natural work of the technicalities and the practice experience, all that. But Really, the technical things don't help you at all if if you haven't walked through faithfully what God has put before you, the trials, the pain and the suffering
0: and the joys as well. Of course, absolutely the joy. So here you are, you are speaking weekly. You never thought you'd be in this position. How did you figure out what was kind of tripping you up a little bit? And then how did you overcome it?
1: Lots of trial and error and also lots of feedback. I am a feedback junkie which is not typical in our culture. No. People (laughs) can be very defensive and it's hard, but honestly, you cannot grow unless you are fully wide open to the right kind of feedback. Now, I'm not saying open your heart to the whole wide world, to criticism, but craving feedback is the very best thing that you can do to be a better speaker. So I would go to my husband and I would say, you know, today I didn't feel this great or I didn't really love this, or I would show, I still do this to this day. This weekend, I preach somewhere. I preach three times at a conference and every single outline, I work through it. Now, my husband will not write outlines for me, <laughs> but I work through it and then I bring him the outline and say, Hey, what do you think about this outline? What do you think about this direction? I'll practice the points with him. You will say, I don't really feel like that's going to be great for that audience or pastors really wouldn't like for you to say that, which has saved me a lot of time. And I would just practice or and even I'd ask the girls, you know, I had a few girls on my staff and I would say, hey, can you sit in on this session today and just give me a little feedback? How did that resonate with you? Did that mean anything to you? How did you feel about it? And then I would just tweak from there. So you mean you don't
0: like sit down in a chair and pray and then he like strikes you with lightning and this amazing idea (laughs) that you develop and then go out and preach like you've never (laughs) preached another thing in your whole life?
1: Absolutely not. I find that one of the biggest hindrances and one of the biggest mistakes that a speaker can make is speaking for the first time on the first time of the event. So I never speak a message, even if it's a brand new message. By the time I get to that stage, I have FaceTimed my grandmother and preached my message to her. I have practiced in front of Joel. I have practiced in front of the mirror. I have walked around and practiced in front of Jesus out of a beautiful park by my house. So when I have, whenever I do stand in front of a small group or if I do stand on a stage, no matter what the size is, it's never my first time to speak the message. I have to do my work on my end before I can present it to the people.
0: I love that. And I bet that makes you come across as a lot more natural because you're not so dependent on notes or your outline. Exactly. That would also allow you just to connect with the audience, the people who are listening to a little
1: bit more. So I love that. Totally. When you've practiced and you put in the work, when you stand before the audience, you can focus on them. But if you're unprepared then the focus is on yourself. And that's not what speaking is about anyway. It's never about ourselves. It's always about our audience.
0: So you would take your outlines to your pastor husband, who's the son of a mega church pastor. He's got all this wisdom. Yes. What kind of advice would you give to women who don't have easy access to somebody with that much theological wisdom?
1: I would especially in today's world, I would find a community, a network of women just like Declare. I mean, honestly, they are perfectly set up, anyone that's coming to Declare to say, hey, I need an accountability group, or I need some kind of a pod that I can throw up my outline before and and get tweaks on, or I need to call my friend and say, hey, what do you think about this outline? Which I do the same because it's one thing to get your husband's input who's got, my husband has five generations of preachers on one side and four on the other, which at first was very overwhelming to me. But it's one thing to get a man of God's input. It's completely different to get a woman of God's input. So any woman, no matter where you are, you've got at least one friend out there who probably, even if she knows nothing about speaking, she's probably would be a part of your audience. And she can tell you what resonates. She can tell you if, if you're speaking at a level that's way above her head And she doesn't understand what you're saying. So any person, I would say, call a friend, phone a friend and say, hey, would you just mind looking over this for me? Or especially through social media, reach out. You never know who you can get advice from if you don't reach out to them. So go to a conference, reach out to a friend, reach out to someone who is speaking and say, hey, can you give me a few tips? Or go to a conference, invest in yourself and learn how to do
0: it. Well, this is great advice. But I have another question for you. So we've talked about how do you refine your message, and how you practice so that when you get up in front of the audience, you are ready. But even if you are ready, and you're confident in your message, there are many people myself included, who I'll also just say I'm an extrovert, like I love people, I've never been afraid of the stage before. But there's something about doing it for God. So when you get up in front of that crowd, all of a sudden, like the nerves can be overwhelming. So what kind of thoughts do you have about that? I mean, you are now a confident speaker. How did you become
1: that? What I have learned about confidence is it's subconscious. If you know, for me personally, and I don't know if everybody works this way, but for me personally, if I know in my heart, I have done what I can do in the natural and I trust and believe God that he's going to do what he can do in the spiritual, then that's where my confidence lies. If I know in my heart, I have read this passage. I know this is what the Lord's wanting to speak to these ladies. I have prayed through this. I am putting in the work every single day to grow as a leader, to grow as a person, to grow as a wife, to grow relationally. I have checked my heart. Because I do that every single time before I preach. I check my heart and I ask the Lord, is my heart right before you? And when he gives me the go ahead, sometimes he'll say, he'll put his little finger on my heart and say, no, you better get this right. And once I do, if I know that I have a go from the word, then it's really a matter of making a decision that says, I've done what I can do. Now I've got to be spirit led and let the Lord do what he wants to do.
0: I love that. The heart check and then What you said about you do or have done what you can do in the natural, and then you just turn the rest over to God and let him do what he does in the supernatural, which is the way to do it. And it seems like it ought to be common sense. But hearing you say that is powerful. I think it's something that we all need to remind ourselves of, whether we're writing or speaking or podcasting or doing art, whatever that is, is just to give it our all and then trust that God will carry it home.
1: Absolutely. That's the only thing that we can do because the truth of the matter is every time we speak and we're obeying God's command to open our mouth and to speak truth, that is our win. The audience response is not our win. Accolades from friend is not our win. Followers is not our win. Simply obeying Christ and His call to preach the gospel, to go and tell, that is our win. That obedience. I mean, I feel like when I speak, even if I'm extremely nervous, which I've been speaking for a decade now, and I still get nervous every time I speak, I feel the Lord saying to me, I'm cheering you on. I'm so proud of your obedience.
0: And what a cheerleader to have. I mean, that's really incredible. I love that. Like, I want the Lord to say that to me.
1: (laughs) And he does. Every time you speak, he does. That's what's so cool.
0: Okay, so that actually then brings me to this question, which is something that I have felt a lot, and I've talked to other women, too, that I think feel this way. You know, I feel like there's a difference between I have terrifying nerves, but I am called to this, and I have terrifying nerves because I am attempting to do something in my own strength, and I shouldn't really be here. I mean, how do you discern between those two things so that you can remove that obstacle and move forward in obedience?
1: One thing that actually helps me is a podcast I listened to by Craig Groeschel, who I believe the name of his church is Life Church TV, and he has one of the biggest churches in America right now. And he said in a podcast that he was nervous to the point of being physically sick for a decade every time that he spoke. And I said, okay, Lord, well, it's this man of God who has hundred thousand people or whatever it is in his church, if he was called by you and yet he was still nervous to the point of being physically sick, which I have never been there, then man that encourages me to keep going no matter what, if I feel nervous. And to be honest, the only person that knows whether you're supposed to be there or not is you. If you have pushed and strived in the flesh and you have kicked doors open for yourself And you know if God didn't open that door for you or not. So to me, if you're up there and you're nervous, the only thing that you have to do is ask the Lord. And it's a heart check. Did I make a way for myself here or did the Lord? And if you made your own way there, then the nerves are probably right. And then you can choose from there. Okay, I know that I shouldn't have done that. That was not of the Lord. But if the Lord opened the door for you, like only He can, then you've just got to chalk up the nerves to what they are. Just call it like it is. It's just nerves. It doesn't mean you're not called. It just means you're nervous. Okay, but my next
0: question for you then is, if I feel like I'm called to this, I want to do the work for the calling. So at what point is trying to get my name out there and making contacts and sending out press kits and all that kind of stuff outside the will of God versus just waiting for him to open those doors and not really working toward it that much?
1: In 2015, I believe, I had started a ministry called Be Girly, and it was for inner city girls. Most inner city girls in Baton Rouge, they don't have moms, they live with their grandmothers. And I started this ministry because I really had a heart to see them grow, even in just regular things, what a mom teaches a young girl hey, brush your hair, brush your teeth. And I truly loved this ministry. I felt like the Lord gave it to me, but constantly I was striving. I was trying to prove to everyone, yes, the Lord has called me to ministry. Even though my husband is the son of a pastor and I'm not, I can still do ministry. And man, I was pushing in my flesh and I was reaching out to all kinds of people I didn't know and trying to get this ministry off the ground and get donors and I'm pushing through doors. And it truly led me to just be exhausted. I was striving so much in my flesh to make a name for myself and to make a way, even though part of it was not horrible motives. I was trying to make a way for these young girls, but I was pushing, and there was no joy, and the wind of God was not on it. And then I just recently started a ministry called Echo, which I train young girls in their 20s who desire to communicate the gospel with confidence, and there is no striving. There is absolutely no striving. Instead of me pushing to make a way, so many opportunities are coming to me that I'm instead praying for the right way to go. And I believe that's the difference. If you are just ex- totally exhausted, then that's not the Lord. And all it takes is the Lord, the wind of God to be at your back and doors will be totally open. Now, now I don't mean to just sit around and wait for doors to fling wide open because a lot of girls do that. They feel like God has called them, but then they don't do their part. You got to do your part. Take headshots and make a pretty little website. Do all that but then pray for God to open up doors instead of kicking doors down.
0: I love that. Pray for him to open doors instead of kicking them down. I think Mm -hmm. that that's such good advice. And I love, uh, you know, how you have been teaching people that. But when you said that you used to find that you were striving and exhausted, what happened? Did you have a moment where that all came to a head? Or did you sort of
1: gradually learn that? No, (laughs) the Lord works with me in a funny way. He lets me do my own thing for a long time and then just everything implodes. There's nothing subtle about it. It's a quick, total disaster. Oh my gosh, so I love I that. Working. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm Cajun, so I can be a little thick headed. And so the Lord has just got to make things ultra clear for me. And he does that often. And I was working, striving, and the ministry was doing okay when I lived in Baton Rouge. And then about four years ago, we moved to Dallas. And I just thought, this is really what I have to cling to. I don't have family in Dallas. I don't even have a church. I don't have a job. I have new friends. I have nothing. So you couldn't rip that ministry out of my dead cold hands. I mean, I held on to that ministry and just squeezed the life out of it. And I had a few girls that were working on it with me here. And they all moved away, like all at once. Pretty much the Lord was saying to me, you're not a great leader right now in this ministry. I did not give you this ministry. This is not what I want you to focus on right now. So all the girls that were helping me left and I lost the 5013C status and it just imploded. And it really because it was because I wasn't ready. I wasn't an awesome leader. I had no idea what I was doing And so that all really broke down, and I went into what I call the silent season, which was very difficult, and I did nothing. I was at Gateway Church, which we're still at, and I did not get involved. You know, I'd go to their pink ministry, which is their women's ministry, but I was not in the leadership capacity. I was just in the barren wilderness, and the Lord was working out my character.
0: Well, it takes a lot for somebody to— Accept that and to understand that they weren't ready. I'm sure at the time you maybe didn't think, "Oh, you know what? I'm not ready, so I'll just wait, and the (laughs) Lord will open a door." And like the silent season is okay. I'm gonna just do sabbatical, and it's gonna be awesome.
1: (laughs) It was not like that in true Amy Stockstill fashion. I went kicking and screaming. You never know. That's why I encourage girls to step out, and that's the whole thing to me. So many girls are afraid to have the wrong motives, and they're afraid for it not to be right, and they're afraid for the wind of God to not be on it, so they do nothing. But Proverbs says that he directs the steps of the godly. But in order for us to be directed, we have to take steps. We have to just try something. And if it doesn't work and it fails, that is the Lord giving us direction and feedback.
0: Interesting. Okay, so then you're sitting there in your season of silence And something new began to grow in you. And you kind of stepped out of your season of silence. Like what was changing in your mind? And then how did you pursue that differently from the way that you had before?
1: I am a doer. I don't like to sit around if I'm sitting around everything around me is going to be organized and cleaned and over organized. So I was in this silent season, just the word was working out my character and I told my husband about a year in. I said, I, I have this idea. and my husband is very prophetic. so he sees visions, he sees the future, he sees through the Holy Spirit. and he just kept saying to me, I don't see it, I don't see it. And man, I was so frustrated because I knew it wasn't the timing of the Lord, but I was just so ready to get out of the wilderness that I was coming up with all kind of ideas and I was submitting those to my husband and to my mentors at Gateway. And they just kept saying, we don't see it. It's not the time. It's not ready. We don't really see your vision. And so the Lord was again telling me, I have a few things I want to teach you. So I actually got into personal growth, which I never even heard of the term personal growth until I moved to Dallas. And I started reading John Maxwell's books on leadership, because I realized the Lord had revealed to me, I'm not the best leader. So instead of just whining about it or beating myself up and just saying, man, I'm a terrible leader, I said, okay, well, what can I do then to become a leader, to become all that God's called me to be? So I started listening to John Maxwell, started reading a ton of his books. I read Good to Great. I listen to a podcast every single day. I get an email from John Maxwell on leadership every day. I watch YouTube videos because all of it's free. You know, you just type in YouTube, whatever you need to know, how to build a team, how to speak to people, how to connect with your audience. So I just started taking in so much information. I was training myself, basically, because I could not find a training program that I could go through for speaking. So I was just self-educating. And I did that for several years. And at the end of those two years, someone sent me a dream kit by a lady named Terry Foycevelle. Okay. And it's about dreaming. And in this kit, it was, hey, write down 100 dreams and goals that you have. And honestly, that really overwhelmed me. And I didn't have 100 dreams and goals. I didn't know what to do. So I organized it. I said, okay, I'm going to do 10 places I want to travel, 10 places I want to speak, 10 leadership things I want to do. 10 friends that I'd like to deepen my relationship with, whatever it was, 10 categories. And I noticed that under my leadership column, I had 18 things I wanted to do regarding leadership, discipleship, raising up other leaders, that kind of thing. And that was really the turning point. Of the hey, I I have this idea. I realized that my favorite thing to do among all the things I can do, my favorite thing to do is mentor other girls, raise up leaders, raise up speakers. And that was the beginning of Echo, the ministry that I have to train women communicators.
0: Okay, so I'm really excited about you talking about Echo. So you're coming out of this season, you were kind of doing your own self training. You couldn't really find a program that was encompassing what you needed. And can I just sidebar say that you took that 100 things and you organized it? Oh, my gosh, you're (laughs) so after my own heart, like when in doubt, organize something. I mean, it's just so my motto in life.
1: (laughs) Break it down into smaller pieces. A 100 just seems so overwhelming. But then I'm like, okay, all I got to do is pick 10 for this column. It's totally doable. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so you noticed that you had all this stuff in leadership. And then it seems to me like, you kind of measured a place where you thought was lacking and a place that you had a passion for, and you've now created this echo ministry. So tell me a little yeah. bit about where that first idea came from and if you were getting the blessing of your husband and you know your mentors and then how you began.
1: All right. When I did that dream list and realized this is a passion of mine, I, I do want to train girls it was around that time that I, someone told me about the conference called She Speaks, which is, I'm assuming, pretty similar to Declare. And I had not heard of Declare yet, but I tried to sign up for that conference. And it was hilarious because I got an email back saying that I was number 536 on the waiting list. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so that's not going to happen. But then when I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, that just means that's very exciting. Because that means that there are women out there. I mean, it's 2018. We are gaining freedom and we're gaining our voice and we're gaining the confidence to say, hey, I might have a voice and I'd like to invest in that. So I realized because she takes, I think, 600. So I'm like, okay, 600, it's already sold out. There's probably 600 on the waiting list. That means that women from all over are wanting some kind of training And I realized that I started speaking when I was 21 and I'm 32 now. So I've been speaking over a decade, but I've never had any training. And I thought to myself, if I would have had training when I was 21, what kind of speaker would I be now? I mean, I would just love to give someone who's 21, I'd love this to give them a leg up because we're all standing on the shoulders of Mama Joyce and Beth Moore and Christine Kane and Lisa Bevere. I mean, our generation is standing on their shoulders, but these younger girls in their 20s, whose shoulders are they going to stand on? We need someone in between this older generation and this younger generation. And I feel like I can step into that, even if it's by myself at first. I can step into that and say, hey, you don't need to be in your 50s to speak for God. You don't need to be in your 60s to speak to God. You can be in your 20s and begin developing your voice for God now. And I want to just teach you everything that I've learned in the last decade and hopefully give you a springboard so you can go further, faster, better, you know, do things better than our generation has.
0: Well, you know, I love that you brought up She Speaks because I've actually been able to go to that conference a couple different times. And so I have heard Lisa Turkhurst, who created that conference, say that she really struggled to find training for the writing and the speaking that she wanted to do. And so she told the Lord that if he would give her that ministry, that she would do everything that she could to pay it forward, to make sure that she taught everybody that wanted to know everything that she knew. And she speaks now when that registration opens. It usually sells out in about two weeks. And Lisa will tell (laughs) you she's never spent a single dollar on marketing. Wow. That's so exciting. Isn't that so exciting? What I find interesting is your echo conference i was doing a little bit of research every one of those events is completely sold out right now
1: they are which is amazing which is
0: amazing it is it's really amazing but it speaks i think a lot to the obedience that mm-hmm. you know if the lord can lead you and you can kind of go through all this that you're paying it forward that you're going to be obedient to give that back to the people that need it the most i think that there's a clear blessing on this ministry for you so tell us about the conference and what it does, like how many people, what do you kind of teach them? How long is it?
1: So I just started Echo in January of 2017, and I started it for many of the reasons that we've been talking about, but also I sat with a mentor of mine. He's actually, she's my, the wife of my husband's doctor, and she's amazing. And she just, we were at lunch one day in Florida with her, and she said, Amy, the Lord gave me a vision today, and I just want to share it with you. She said she was in her study and she heard a whisper far off and it took her several, it took her like an hour to just quiet herself. She quieted herself and she finally heard the whisper. And she said, it was the Holy spirit saying, I don't have enough voices. Will you be my voice? When she said that to me, I felt just an explosion in my heart. And I felt like the Lord told her that specifically for me. I don't know how many people she shared that vision with, But I felt like the Lord gave her that vision for me. And then at that moment, I said, "Okay, I don't know what I'm going to do or how it's going to look, but I'm going to raise up voices. I'm not just concerned about raising my voice up. I'm going to raise up other voices. So in January, I said, I'm going to start with six girls. I had no budget, no team. I just said I can fit six girls in my house. So I had six girls. And I just contacted girls who I've met over the years. My husband's a traveling evangelist. And I didn't even know how to start there. I told Joel, I have this idea and you're okay with it, but who do I even invite to this? And he said, why don't you ask the Lord about anyone that you connected while we were traveling those five years on the road? So that's what I did. I just prayed, which I still do this today. I pray and ask the Lord who to invite. And I reach out to them. And I'm telling you, it was amazing. Every girl that I reached out to was just blown away that I would even ask them to come and that there was even such a thing as training for girls in their 20s and 30s so that was so encouraging from the start so all of last year 2017 I did quarterly events so I did four events total and I just had six to eight girls in my home and I taught them five sessions at a local office right here And they come and they teach, I teach them how to give their testimony, a three-minute testimony, which you would just be amazed at how many girls in the church have never been taught to give their testimony. I was floored. So I teach them to give their testimony and we do very practical. So I teach a little bit, but then it's their turn to apply. So every teaching I give them, they have to do what I call an activation, where they apply what they've just been taught. For instance, one of their activations is a preaching object lesson. So they pull out of a bag, a random object, and then they have to preach a minute on it. And I give them two minutes to prepare and then they get one minute to go, which is fun. I
0: love that. I want to do that.
1: <laughs> it is so fun. That And fun is one of my highest, highest values. So all of that goes very fun. And we laugh a lot. And then all day Saturday, we do one-on-one coaching. So they sit with me or one of the coaches that I've raised up and we coach them specifically through their outline. We teach them about life messages. We teach them and it all builds from the beginning. So testimonies then life message, then we set one-on-one coaching and it's all for them to develop a five minute message, which on Sunday, we go to a location that has a stage. They preach on a stage with their microphone. They're introduced just like they would be introduced at a, a big conference. They have to go from their seat, walk up the stairs, take the microphone, And they get five minutes to preach their little hearts out. And then they get live feedback. And we just coach them in front of each other. So they all get coaching. And they can all take, we coach them on their content. We also coach them on technical things. And they get this amazing live feedback. And then we pray over all of them and seal the weekend and kind of commission them to go and preach the gospel. And it's the best thing I've ever been able to be a part of.
0: You and your feedback. Oh, my gosh. (laughs)
1: Yes, actually, we realized that echo is probably 70% feedback from start to finish. They're stepping out and getting feedback and stepping out and getting feedback and giving feedback. And we're trying to condition them to want feedback to see it as a positive instead of a hyper negative. Well,
0: and I think that that's really great. And there are instances, I think, where you're getting feedback and others where you might just be getting criticism. But Focusing on the feedback and how that can grow you, I think, is so important. But the way that you do it, you present it in such a way that it doesn't seem like you're just criticizing someone.
1: Oh, absolutely not. But
0: what about people who want feedback, but they're afraid to ask for it because they think that they're, you know, fishing for compliments or something?
1: That's a great question. Again, to me, it all comes down to a heart check. I'm very big about doing the pre-work. I guard who gives me feedback. I don't just let the whole world because there's always haters out there. Right. So you've got to build relationships with people that you trust. So every time I speak, I'm saying to the person beforehand, like every time I speak, I bring someone with me because there's no reason for me to go alone. So I bring someone with me and I always give her the opportunity to learn about ministry. And I say to her beforehand, hey, I'm looking for feedback as you're paying attention, would you just take notes? Would you tell me if I went way too long on this? Or would you kind of tell me when the audience felt like they responded and felt like a point resonated with them? Every time I can, I get the video and I sit down with my husband or with a friend. So it's really, if you set it up ahead of time and you say to a person, hey, I value your opinion. I really want you, yeah, you can say some awesome things that I did, what you loved, what you gained from it. But I'd also like you to give me Maybe one or two things that you feel like I could improve a little on. You know, my mom came with me this weekend to speak at a conference. She kind of tagged along with me. And I told her that beforehand. I said, hey, would you just listen? Because I love you and I value your your feedback. And I know you love me. That's the key. You got to get someone that you love, but then also loves you back. Right. You know, that'll be open with you and that can celebrate the good things, And then also say, if you just tweak this a little bit. Like my, I was explaining something to the audience and my mom said afterwards, she said, that one point that you were trying to explain, I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. I was listening to you and I was trying to take notes, but I couldn't really understand what you were trying to say. And that is amazing feedback because the next time I give that point, I can keep in mind, I didn't articulate this well. I need to think through this so that someone in the audience can get what I'm trying to say. So just set it up beforehand and ask a trusted friend. And don't just blanket statement, hey, will you give me feedback? Because maybe if someone doesn't know how to give feedback, they won't know where to start. So point them in the direction and say, will you give me feedback on my intro? Do you feel like I connected well with the audience? Then the next time you preach, will you give me feedback on my ending? Did I land the plane okay? You know, don't just ask them for a million things, but be specific. Ask for one or two things, because that's really all you can focus on to change for the next time anyway.
0: That's such great advice, especially the bring someone with you every time and asking them Mm -hmm. for feedback is not fishing for compliments. If you're saying, I really value your opinion. Help me be better. Help me do better. Totally. No, I love that. That's so great. But I want to ask you another question then, because I had a conversation several years ago with a woman who started a really humongous ministry. And, you know, it's a great and successful ministry, but she began the whole thing by trying to keep it to, you know, the 20-somethings. She got a lot of pushback on that, though, because there were so many women that weren't 20-somethings anymore that desperately desired to experience what she had to offer. Do you get pushback on that? Or do you feel like you want to maybe expand one day to, you know, women who are out of their 20s? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I get so much pushback. It is unreal. (laughs) And honestly, I didn't know that that would be a thing that would upset people. I just, when I started, honestly, I said, okay, I'm 32 and I want to help the girls behind me. And also to me, when I started, it was maybe an influence thing. I said, I don't know yet. I really wanted to test my material and say, is this something that would even help someone that's older than me? I don't know. So when I started last year, I just said, I'm going to do it for girls in their 20s right now because I find that there's a lot of training for women that are older than that, but there's hardly any, I cannot find a ministry and there's tons of ministries out there that I don't know. So I'm sure there are some, but I could not find a ministry that focused just on girls in their 20s, teaching them to preach or communicate the gospel. So that's kind of where I said, okay, this is where I see the biggest need is. So I'm going to start there. But then I got so much pushback and I actually got an overwhelming amount of girls in their thirties and forties even who reached out to me saying, why is this only for girls in their twenties? So I started praying because I said, you know, Lord, I don't want to limit the vision. It's honestly snowballing a little bit on me and I feel like it's getting a little ahead of me. So I just brought it to the Lord and said, I don't want to limit this vision. This is your vision anyway. Echo is the Lord. So if, if you see a need to go in a different direction. I want my heart to be wide open to whatever you want it to be. So actually this year in 2018 in January, I did an echo for eight women in their thirties. And I have to tell you, I absolutely loved it. That's so great. (laughs) I did. I loved it. And they were just so hungry. That's what I keep going back to. I will train anyone who's hungry. That is really the only prerequisite. Are you hungry? God? Are you hungry for training? And if that is you, then yes, I will train you. But I am trying to be strategic about it because another reason why I started Echo is because even though women are rising up and churches are allowing women to speak and start things and women are doing amazing things, still I find it to be a lonely place in ministry. And when you say, when you finally step out and say, I want to speak or I want to do something great for God, I don't feel that the church is at a place yet where that's just a 100% we're for you, you're awesome, go and do it. So in some places, it can be lonely to step out and say, you know, I think I'm called to write or speak or pioneer something for God. So I Echo I started out as a place for confidence for speaking and confidence for life. I want you to come here and meet girls around the nation or or just around the block that are doing the same thing and have that same fire for God to step out and do something, whether they know what they're doing or not. So they come and they learn that they're not the only ones, even if at their church, there might think or in their community, they might be the only ones, but to know that they know they're not the only ones pursuing the heart of God. Well, and I
0: think that that is the biggest thing that we all want. And what C.S. Lewis said is when that moment of friendship happens is when you say to another person, you too, I thought I was the only one.
1: <laughs> I love that quote.
0: Yeah, it's such a great quote. And I love that you are possibly expanding that vision a little bit, because I think you're right. The need is really significant. But I'm really looking forward you. to seeing just what God is going to do with Echo at this point and, you know, going forward. But I want to kind of move on a little bit right now and just sort of come to the point where we're talking about declare you're going to be the MC. And our Yay! theme this year is all about being a warrior. And that came about because last year, as we were preparing for the conference, you know, our team just felt like there was a lot of things that kept going wrong. And we finally woke up to the fact that that was probably some spiritual warfare, that we were probably on the right path with God. But it it's hard for that to not be discouraging. And so we decided that, you know, we wanted to be warriors for God. So I'm asking everybody, what does being a warrior mean to you?
1: Well, the verse that really came to my heart when I was asked, what does it mean to be a warrior was Zechariah 10:12, And it says, by my power, I will make my people strong. And by my authority, they will go wherever they wish. I, the Lord, have spoken. And to me, what a a warrior means is a warrior is made strong by the Lord's power, and they're capable and free to possess the natural and spiritual territory given to them by the authority of Christ. And a warrior, I believe, knows the voice and the power of God, but doesn't just use it to advance their own agenda, but really uses that power and the strength of God to advance other people instead. And it makes me think of Deborah who sat at the palm of Deborah in the spirit and people came to her for judgment and she gave him that vice. And she was really warring in the spirit. But then when it came time for Beric to go into battle, she rose up because she knew she had the strength of the Lord. And she knew that she heard the Lord's voice and she knew that he ha- she had his authority. And she said, let's go into battle. And Beric said, I'm not going without you. And she said, that's fine. But just know that it's going to be attributed to a woman that we won the war. And that's what I see a warrior that will sit back and war in the spirit, but also isn't afraid to get up and go to war in the natural.
0: You know, that's so cool. And I just love that I saw a meme one time that said, and it might have been Lisa Bevere that said, God created woman as the answer to the very first problem. Yeah. And I just, I'm all about it. I mean, I just think that's so great. I think that that right there means we are called to be warriors and warriors for God. And it's such an exciting time, I think, in the lives of women in our culture today, in the church, for Christians. And I just think that your definition of warrior is super inspiring. I love that. Amen. Well, Amy, I just cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your day to come and chat with me on the podcast and share your heart and your vision and your story. It's all so incredible. I can't wait for the women of Declare to get to experience you, you know, as the MC and to get to talk to you and ask you questions. And also, I just so deeply appreciate the joy that I hear in your voice and your fun spirit. So It's all so great. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much.
1: Of course. I am just pumped and honored to be the MC. And really, one of my most favorite things to do is watch women get training because I can just see their confidence level rising. So I just want to commend you guys as a team and the Declare Conference for throwing yourselves all in to see women be equipped. I just love it. And I'm honored to be a part. Well,
0: we're honored that you're going to be a part. I can't wait. I told you she was inspiring, didn't I? Don't you just love her? You can find all the links to everything that we mentioned today in the show notes. You can find those on our website or on your mobile device if you just keep scrolling down the page on this episode. You can also see more of Amy at the Declare Conference this fall, so be sure to get your ticket before it sells out. And the rest of the things that I want you to know right before we sign off is please subscribe to our podcast and take a couple of minutes to leave a review. Don't be shy. Please share it with your friends. We love to hear from you, and especially after this episode, we would love your feedback. Also, let us know if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, the conference, or any of our other new and impactful opportunities, including Declare Equip. And don't forget to get your ticket for the conference in October. If you have not yet joined our online community through our Facebook page, you're missing out, so make sure you get connected there and start getting inspired today. We hope every episode of the Declare podcast has inspired and encouraged you thank you so much for always listening. Thank you for being so loyal. We love you so much. And we'll see you the next time on the Declare podcast.